Hey, y'all. Hello. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. And you are listening to another episode of Hugh I Do. The podcast that's going to help you make a decision about what to do with your wedding, even though we're still in a pandemic. At least that's what we hope. Yeah. Super, super excited for everyone to listen to this episode. But first, before I say anything, this episode is not medical advice. This is not advice that you should use and take to heart. And if something wrong happens, you come back and you're upset with us. Mm -mm. We're not doing that. This podcast is really just to give you advice on maybe some things to consider. This is us, your favorite co-hosts of your favorite podcast, talking to an epidemiologist and just kind of getting her opinions on some things, you know, like, so, so with that being said, we asked our listeners back in December and in January, uh, December 21, January 22, kind of what are your thoughts? What are the questions you're having? Because, you know, this is an episode that we didn't have a COVID episode before. We didn't outwardly just talk about like, hey, how is COVID going to impact us in weddings? We've had episodes wedding COVID adjacent. You know, we've had couples that have eloped. We've talked to them. We've had vendors come on that told us about how the pandemic has impacted or shifted their business practices or things they're doing, such as the Steve Moore episode with Affairs to Remember about how catering has changed. We've talked to Jennifer Allen with Just Elope in Texas and Irene Tyndale in Georgia about eloping and, you know, the two weddings and all of that. But we had never until this point had an episode about COVID and what should we do as brides planning our weddings, you know, but with the Omicron surge and just how it is going through everybody, we felt like we needed to have this episode. I agree. Many of us who got engaged last year and, you know, our dates are swiftly approaching for some we have postponed. And then for others, we're not doing that because We don't know what the pandemic is going to do, and we don't know if another strand is going to pop up. And so, you know, a lot of us don't have time to postpone. So this episode will hopefully help you make some decisions. You, of course, can um, listen to this with your partner and make your decisions from there if you have been struggling with trying to figure out what to do for your wedding. Yeah, there's a lot. So we had a really great guest come on the show. Um, Her name is Maddie Lewis. You might have found her or listened to her on TikTok. She is an amazing epidemiologist that gave us a lot of great information and insights. But before we let you hear our interview with her, there were a few other questions that were asked from some of you that came from more of like the bride's perspective of like, what did an actual bride do? How did a bride actually navigate this? 
So I want to speak to what I did as well as what I know a few of our listeners have done, what a a few of our friends or like acquaintances have done, and then we'll get into that part of the episode. But first, and I feel like this is kind of obvious, but I want to state it anyway. Hugh I Do is a wedding podcast that has two hosts on it that are pro-vaccine. Tania and I are both vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and Tania and I are both boosted. So with that being said, that allows you to know that there is a certain level and acceptance and belief in the science that we use and apply in our day-to-day. So with that being said, that is the lens that I use when it came to my own wedding planning. And I believe it is also the lens that Tania is using as she is planning her wedding as well. So just kind of wanted to give that disclaimer in advance, but here are, you know, some of the other kind of points that some of y'all asked about. So like, how do I get over the jealousy or comparison of those that had normal weddings? That is a hard one because look, if you have already made the decision to like cut down or scale back on your wedding and just only have a handful of people Make sure that the people that you have there are those that you were hoping and wanting to be there more than anything. And you know what? Sometimes we think we want our family there or we want, you know, like think of our extended family members or like, you know, friends maybe we haven't seen in four or five years. And, you know, thinking of our wedding as like this huge reunion. But sometimes, And especially in this pandemic, if you feel like you need to scale back and only have a certain amount of people there, make sure it is, they are the people that bring you the most joy. I think if you are just really intentional about who the people are that are there and how you feel about your wedding, because look, you're still in a pandemic, but you're still getting married. Like try to lean into that more and not saying that you need to like dismiss the fact that you're upset that you know, you're seeing all these other people have these big weddings. There's still so much about those weddings you're seeing on Instagram and Facebook or that you're hearing about that there's stuff you don't know. You know, you may have seen this beautiful wedding with 175 people there, but you know, 30 people could have gotten COVID and two might've had to go to the emergency room. You're not seeing that. They're not posting that. So try to as much as you can focus on what you do know, what you can control and the people that are going to be there with you. And of course, the life event that you're taking on. Somebody asked, was it hard limiting the guest list down? So to kind of like briefly speak about what I did. And at some point, we're going to have an episode about it probably in like a few months. But Essentially, what I did was I had a bigger wedding planned, of course. COVID hit. So then I had to pivot to a smaller wedding. So my smaller wedding, actually, I was already married, but my smaller wedding ceremony and reception took place November of 2021. So we had been married for over a year. We did it Thanksgiving weekend because we were hoping that that cut down the guest list a little bit more, but we made sure that we had so many COVID protocols in place because we knew that we had been extremely cautious and hadn't really done a lot since the pandemic began. Um, We've been in the house most weekends 
We probably went to only six restaurants over the course of 2021. Um, And the majority of that we ate outside, even like in October. So with that being said, um, there were a lot of things that we did, COVID protocols that we put in place. And that was for our guests to try to feel comfortable because we knew that there would be some people that, that did not leave the house as much or didn't do as much throughout the pandemic. So we wanted to make sure they felt comfortable, but also by putting in certain COVID protocols, people that feel opposite of how you feel will just not come because they feel more strongly about how they feel about COVID versus you getting married. And that's kind of a hard pill to swallow because, you know, there are maybe people you really, really want to be there, but maybe they're against getting vaccinated or maybe they just don't want to get tested or maybe they, and this is kind of prior to um, what President Biden is now about to implement with the at-home tests, but maybe it's, it was too expensive for them to be able to take off to go get tested or to get a test. Um, so there are a lot of things in mind, but for us, the COVID-19 protocols that we put in place were kind of a safeguard to allow us to feel comfortable with the people that were there, but then also to possibly even deter some people from coming because we had a certain threshold that all of our guests had to also abide by, which is being fully vaccinated and being negative and and providing proof of such. There were a lot of questions that came in. I'm just going to hit a few more, but please know listeners that are getting this in real time, we're going to try to hit all of this throughout the week on our socials, so on Instagram, on TikTok, because we feel like a lot of these are really, really good questions. And sometimes you just need to hear what did another bride do? How did another bride handle this? There aren't too many spaces right now for that. So that's why, you know, trying to answer as many questions as I can, but also want you to know that we're going to try to cover everything. If you feel like your question wasn't heard, Um, we asked a lot of questions with our guests. So in a second, you're going to hear all of that. Just a few more. So like pricing for solutions and testing and proof. There are several places. So we thought about using CrowdPass. That was one of the popular ones. There's another one called Planny. There are a lot of concierge medical services where for an hourly rate, maybe you can hire a nurse or a nurse practitioner or maybe a physician's assistant to help with scanning foreheads and testing on site, or maybe they provide on site, you know, like rapid testing or testing that you can send over to your guests. We didn't go with that route. We were going to look at CrowdPass. CrowdPass is a service that allows guests of any type of event to upload their vaccination or test results. And they have proprietary service that, you know, their process where they either approve or decline the attendee and you would receive the email notification about it as well as your guests because they would receive the invite. With that being said though, we felt as if that wasn't probably the best bet with us because of their approach with at-home testing. Um, At the time, they were not accepting at-home tests as something that they could approve or deny. And so for us, because we knew we had guests coming from out of town, at-home tests were becoming readily available. For some, it was just easier for them to do that or to get their results back in time because it was around the Thanksgiving holiday. So with all of those things being said, um, 
that was the route we took. I actually built <laughs> our testing platform. Um, and by that, I created a form and sent out emails that re requested them to submit their results. Um, and upon me reviewing it, I would send back an approval email. So, you know, I felt like price point wise, that allowed me to be able to confirm and deny at home tests based off what did we feel worked for us and our guests. Again, another thing, and again, you know, there will be probably a more dedicated episode to the learnings from my wedding, but we initially started pre pandemic with almost 300 guests. Once we had our wedding in October and we sent out our link in October of 2020, we had about 200 guests view it through Zoom. We, and of course, that was just people that showed up on Zoom. Of course, that meant more people because we had several folks, you know, families on one camera, right? But from there, we invited 135 people to our wedding in November of 2021, and less than 70 showed up, which was perfect because honestly, there was no social distancing. We Most people didn't wear masks throughout the reception, but nobody caught COVID. And I really think a lot of what we did helped, but, you know, we just happened to be kind of right in between Delta and Omicron. It, it was just God, you know, I, I, I good luck because, you know, we did a lot else to try to help with that, but not to say you can do all those same things and have the same results. Um, that's just how, you know, unpredictable and, you know, undiscerning this virus is. Uh, so one last question, kind of like considerations around chopping down the guest list, the things to kind of consider when you're making these decisions. So thank you to my uh, wedding planner, Courtney Jackson with the charming details. She helped with some of this, especially early on. I was doing a lot of readings, but honestly, you'd still be surprised at how much information is just not still readily available. So saying all that to say, what I had to do in terms of cutting down my guest list. And, you know, here's some things that I also kind of heard or thought about. So maybe you send out a survey to kind of just gauge those that are coming. Are you comfortable with coming? We had a virtual option. Would you prefer that instead? You know, if you have the time, just do like a Google form or like a quick kind of pulse check there, send it out to your guests through email or send them a text. If that's, you know, you don't want to go that route and you just kind of want to, is it this or is it that? Think about how many high risk guests you have. Think about how many, you know, people that would be traveling from out of town. Think about your wedding party, how many people are in it, um, how many people have little kids. Because right now, a lot of, and from my experience, a lot of people that are contracting the Omicron variant or what I'm assuming is Omicron right now are parents or people around children. So this is teachers. This is people with little toddlers or little middle schoolers or high schoolers or, you know, what, or younger than middle school where maybe they're not wearing their mask as efficiently all day, or, you know, those are the things you need to consider how far are they having to travel? Maybe it's just easier to just only invite your wedding party and to the in-person event or just your immediate family and then send the link out to everyone else and have them watch, you know, in stream. Um, 
If you go back and listen to my episode from October 2020, where we talked about the things that we did to kind of prepare and, you know, give a good kind of like virtual experience to our wedding. Um, Also, it's on the big wedding planning podcast. That was a good episode. Maybe there are some ideas there. And of course, we're going to break this down in like additional content, of course, throughout the week for you to be able to have. But basically, I mean, a lot of this is just hard. (laughs) You know, none of this is easy. So I'm hoping whatever decision you make, whether you have a Zoom wedding, whether you have an in-person event, Make sure that not only you and your future spouse are comfortable, but make sure that those that are really important to you, which I'm imagining are your wedding party and your immediate family, make sure that their comfort levels are taken into consideration too. Because if they're as important to you um, and you really want them there, you really wanted them to be a part of your day, then their safety is just as important. So Hopefully that helps. Hopefully our conversation with our guests helps. And again, good luck. You know, if y'all have any questions or anything, feel free to reach out, send us a DM, send us a message, an email. We're always here to kind of help and think through things. Some of y'all have already done that, but if anybody else has any questions, just wanted to let you know that, you know, we're here as well. So enjoy the episode. And so we have a very, very, very special guest on the show. Super excited to have her on. I guess, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, you guys. I'm Maddie Lewis. I'm an infectious disease epidemiologist. So that means my job is to keep track of infectious diseases in my community and learn more about how they spread and how to prevent them. And I'm 24, so I'm a baby epidemiologist, but I've been working in infectious disease for maybe like five or six years now. And I make epidemiology TikToks, which is probably how y'all found me. And I also have a podcast called EpiCentral, all about epidemiology. So a lot of what I do in my free time is explaining the science of diseases to people in like the easiest, most understandable, non-luxury kind of way. And so thanks for having me on. Yes, we're so excited. And yes, that's exactly how we found you. <laughs> Love your TikToks because the way you break it down is just like, oh, okay. It feels as if like, oh, you're my friend explaining this to me versus like sometimes you can read some of these articles and the language can feel too overwhelming or too technical. And it's like, I don't, I don't know all that. Like, give me, give me the, the, like, give me what I need. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I can like make a decision or like know how to move or do whatever. But, you know, we have a lot of folks trying to figure out what are they going to do this year because they're getting married and there's a lot still, I mean, granted, we're in a better place in understanding and kind of knowing some things than we were at the beginning of this. But we're heading into season three (laughs) of the pandemic. And so there's just a lot that we felt would it would serve our listeners a little bit better if we actually brought an actual epidemiologist on to kind of help go through some of these kind of thoughts 
versus just Sydney and I trying to, you know, oh, I don't know, <laughs> make sense of it all. So we're super excited to have you on. But before we like go into this or that, what got you into like public health? Like what, what about it was interesting? Yeah. So I studied biology in college and I decided I wanted to become a physician assistant. And um, I was going to do that. So I was studying biology and diseases and all of that. And I decided to minor in public health. Then I started working in that area. So I did some global health work in Africa. And I did some work with like sexual health, education, and a few other things. And I really loved it. Public health is like the bird's eye view. It's like the population level versus the individual level health. And so I really liked studying both of those at the same time. And when it was time to apply to physician assistant school, it's like a master's degree. I was writing my personal statement and everything I was writing about was public health related. And so I just took a step back and I was like, I should just do, I should just do this. And so I decided on epidemiology because I took a epi class in undergrad and it was my favorite one. So epi specifically is like the distribution of diseases. So like how they spread and like the numbers and the data behind it. So that's how I got into it. And I made the right decision because I cannot imagine being a healthcare provider. Shout out to all the healthcare providers during this pandemic. Absolutely insane. I get to sit at home and keep track of disease. I don't have to face them. So (laughs) I'm lucky. (laughs) Yes, I'm like dodging COVID every single day, literally. Exactly. (laughs) Very happy to have you on today because we have lots of questions for you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited. Yes. But before we dive into that, of course, now we're going to play this or that. (laughs) Um, And even though you're 24... We fully expect you to answer and then like take on these questions as if you were having to make these decisions like right now. So basically for everyone listening, you know, this or that is our game we play every week. You select between this or that and you tell us why. So because you are our guest, we're going to let you go first Um, and then it'll be Tania's turn, then back to me and we'll circle around. But to start, if you were a guest, at a wedding, would you prefer to receive hand sanitizer favors or personalized wedding mask favors? <laughs> mm, I would say this is so COVID related. I would rather receive like soap or something cool, um, <laughs> you know, like something not right. COVID related. But I would say hand sanitizer because I know for a fact if somebody were to make a wedding mask, it's going to be super, I just think it's going to be tacky. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> no offense. I just, I feel like it's going to have like the wedding information on it and I'm just right. going to feel weird wearing it, but I'm just judgmental. So I like that. <laughs> Nothing is wrong with that at all. We are a very judgmental place. Um, so, Ashley, Ashley is judgmental. Okay. I am. I am I'm not going to lie. You Being are a hater, Tania, but you, 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 you know, suppress it a little bit more. I'm a little more open with it. Yeah. There's no shame. Being a hater is a way of life. Truly. Thank you. I feel seen. (laughs) (laughs) Tania, what would you do? (laughs) You know, this is a good question just because right now I'm trying to figure out what my wedding favor will be. And 
I agree with Maddie with the mask because I feel like you should already walk into the venue with the mask on already. And so, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I will choose the hand sanitizer as well. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that because I'm not paying for personalized masks. I mean, if I do any mask, it's just going to be a plain little blue, you know, surgical mask. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pay more money to get it personalized. So I'll just go with the hand sanitizer because I can just stick a little sticker on there and keep it pushing. I agree with both of you. Honestly, I, I would hope in the year 22, we're not giving out COVID-related wedding favors. Maybe in 20, maybe early 21. But like you said, Tania, we should have masks by now. And like you were saying, Maddie, it's, it's, it's a little narcissistic to like print out like, and I've seen them, the wedding masks with like their names on it, even in, even surgical. Like I've seen the cloth, the surgical, some N95s where it's like you took a cricket and basically like put the name, put the hashtag, put the date. And who's going to wear this beyond this day? That's like just a guess, you know, like what's the point? But then also everyone has hand sanitizer and how many people are really actively using these like sanitizer stations or like seeing a bunch of hand sanitizer and taking it with them? You know, they're just kind of like, oh, okay, I see it's there, but I don't need it. So honestly, I would say neither, but I did like your soap idea. I kind of wish I would have thought about that. That would have been cute. Cause like. You can get creative with some soap, a little bar of soap or something, you know? Yeah, that would like, be cute. Like, like the handmade, like artisan, local, yeah. you could support a Black-owned business. That would be cute. Right? Like you could have like some orange peel if that, you know, is the wave you're going. You got a little fall wedding or something or I don't know. There, yes, I love that idea. That's listeners. Okay. <laughs> That's free. <laughs> Go take that <laughs> and run with it. Um, all right. So round two, would you prefer to select a venue with an outdoor reception space or a venue that has an outdoor ceremony space? So that's assuming that the other spaces would have to be indoors. Hands down. I would rather have an outdoor reception. Okay. The party, I think outdoors would be more, I think it would be more fun. And it would be more COVID safe, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in the episode. But I actually just watched, what was it? It was, the, I'm watching Harry Potter right now, all the movies. <laughs> and I think it's the, I know, nerdy, right? It's like the sixth one, I think. And there's a wedding in it and it's outdoors under a tent with all of these beautiful lights. And I've gone to a wedding kind of like that outdoors and it's just so beautiful. So, and especially in like the late summer, mm -hmm. such a beautiful time to have an outdoor wedding, I think. Good answer. All right, Tania? I actually agree. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of having the ceremony outside just because it's usually daytime hours and the sun, the bugs and everything. But I would actually enjoy um, an evening reception, as Maddie was saying. Um, definitely tent, you know, and I think they would have to be, you know, like the grounds would have to be like very nice, and you know very nice and serene and yeah so I will go with that option reception outside how about you Ashley I would honestly probably say ceremony would be 
outside. If we're thinking COVID-wise, reception, because most people aren't talking during the ceremony anyway. So you can, you know, be indoors for that with no problem. But people are talking and hugging and eating and socializing at reception. So safety-wise, it's probably a better bet to maybe do the reception outside. But I just don't like outside weddings. I mean, outside in general, I'm thinking like when it's hot and it's either like allergy season because we're in Georgia. So it's either allergy season or it's, um, it's summer and it, or it's early fall and it's still just like super hot. So there's only a handful of moments where you could be outside in Georgia and be comfortable. So which is true, which is true. You but know, there'd be some fans or something. I don't know. But, point. but I mean, that's not COVID safe because then people's just talking, <laughs> the wind is blowing. <laughs> I know. Uh, I guess. So, I think. There's I so much. Know. There's um, so much. Yeah. But I figure like during the ceremony, like everyone's going to have on their mask. So mm-hmm. anyways, let's move on. <laughs> okay. All right. So round three, postponing the wedding for another year or reducing the guest count by 80% and just getting married on the original date. That's really hard. I don't know what I would do. Can you postpone it for like six months? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like halfway. Because <laughs> a year, I mean, a year is kind of a long time, you know, that's mm-hmm. a whole, that's a whole cycle. So what I think is a good idea is to just plan it for the summer. So if you were trying to do it in October, but there's a surge, don't wait the full year for next October wait until mm. like June when the rates or yeah, the rates of, uh, of COVID transmission are going to be probably a lot lower. Mm. So I know that wasn't an option. So <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably, probably wait a year, but, um, but would choose a good time during that year. Okay. Yeah. Cause it didn't have to be exactly like a year to the date. It could just be the next calendar year. Yeah. Okay. Um, to be honest, I think, I think I would go with decreasing the guest list by 80% and having it on the day, on your original date, I should say. Just because, you know, life still goes on. And a year from now, I, I, like, I'm probably not going to want to do it again, to be honest. Like, to plan the whole thing, especially what I'm going through now, like, I, mm-mm, mm-mm, I, no, I couldn't do it again. So I would decrease the amount of guests. Good point. I would agree. I mean, I did. So (laughs) I would definitely agree. Um, Well, actually, I think I kind of did both technically. Yeah, you did both. Yeah. But I I got married on the original date. So whatever, do whatever. All right. Final round. So would you require guests to provide proof of a vaccination or would you require guests to provide proof of their tests, hopefully negative, but their tests within 36 hours of the event? I think proof of vaccination for a couple different reasons. I think that will just provide more safety for all of the guests, because even if you do have it or get it, your likelihood of transmitting it to a lot of people is significantly reduced. Um, or to anyone at all. So there's that. And I also think it would be easier um, because 
during, you always have your vaccine documentation. Like it's, everybody probably has it in a drawer somewhere or on their phone, but getting a test is, can be harder at certain times. Like right now there's a huge surge. So there are like no tests available. So yeah, both for safety and feasibility, but I would say, and I don't know if we'll get to this later that, um, I do think it's a good idea if you want to ask every single person to be vaccinated, that's totally your choice. And I think that's a great safest, strictest choice, but, um, I think it's perfectly acceptable to have a few exceptions as long as like 90 plus percent are vaccinated. That's also a really good choice. So that's my thoughts. I like that. I do I too. like that a lot. Yeah. Good answer. All right. To me. Um, so I'm going to choose the, the guest providing a negative COVID test within the 36 hour time frame. I mean, of course I, I would prefer for everyone to be vaccinated, of course, but I know that there is a lot of people who think otherwise. And, you know, of course it's, of course, like Maddie said, it's a personal choice. Um, but I think for wedding purposes, I really feel like everyone needs to be negative, um, especially right now, especially right now. So um, I prefer them to be vaccinated, but I also want them to have a negative COVID test. Yeah, I uh, agree. Um, I would probably also do the negative test. I, I mean, honestly, in a perfect world, I would do both. And I did. Um, but if I had to pick one of the, or the other, I would do the negative tests also partially because I feel like if I ask that there will be some that would just be so frustrated by the request that they're just not going to come. And then that, and that's fine. My guest count. So but that's fine. I'm saving money. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get into, you know, kind of all of that now. So, all right. So that was fun. Um, kind of a icebreaker into what's to come. So yeah, we're talking all about COVID-19 in this episode. We, you know, got these questions from most of you, um, late December, kind of earliest January. And, you know, Tani and I at one point were like, are we going to do this episode? Are we going to have a COVID episode? Because we've had like COVID adjacent episodes, but we've never like really just discussed the pandemic and like the actual impact in your like wedding planning and decision-making process and all of that. So with the Omicron surge right now, so that kind of, if you're listening to this six, seven months from now, hopefully we're in a better place, but this kind of gives you context of kind of where we are. Um, there are a lot of things to consider, a lot of things to know. Um, I feel as if personally, I've known at least maybe 40, almost 50 people to have contracted COVID within the last month, not even a month. And so that just goes to show how like extremely contagious this variant is, but also how contagious it is amongst vaccinated people. So um, as we're, you know, asking you these questions, we're just, again, grateful to have you on to help us kind of make sense of this because this is hard. You know, this is a hard thing to kind of like figure out because people want to have their wedding and that experience. And so, all right, Tania, you can kick it off. All right. So what are reasons for postponing during this time frame? I, I should say that 
because, you know, we hopefully we're not in this situation later on in the year. But for right now, what are the reasons for postponing? So a massive surge like we're seeing right now, which this surge is just beyond what we've seen before, that would be a pretty good reason to postpone. Um, to avoid having a surge, I think, again, having a wedding in the summer, I know that's not super ideal for everybody because it's hot outside and having outdoors always helps too. But the likelihood of there being a massive surge in the summer is probably lower, not guaranteed, but lower um, because for the last two years, the biggest surges have been in the wintertime. So, and of course, if there's an outbreak among the wedding party or like the bride or groom or whoever, that would be a good reason. Like if somebody's just sick, <laughs> then like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the wedding personally. I don't think it's worth it. And I don't think anybody wants to get married while they're sick either. So, so yeah, one way you can avoid that obviously is getting vaccinated and just being really careful right before your wedding. Like don't do any high risk activities like big parties and, and whatever, wear a mask and do all the things that we've been talking about doing. So yeah, I would really emphasize, be really careful that week before and make sure your wedding party and your close family members, anybody that like really needs to be there, make sure they're being careful that week before, especially. Should we, and I know like the vendor selection process kind of occurs throughout several months of the planning. Um, some as early as like what a, a year out or like right after engagement, some maybe a month or two before the wedding. So saying all that to say, should brides, grooms like request or suggest that their vendors provide proof of vaccination or are vaccinated like throughout the selection process? Kind of like how do they, how do you suggest that they handle that? Yeah, I think it kind of, it depends. I think, well, first of all, some vendors and just like people who are going to be working the wedding, whether that be catering staff or photographer, whatever staff is going to be there will already require vaccination status. Some, some already do that to begin with, and you won't even have to request or ask. Um, and then many will not. And so that's when it would be definitely appropriate to just ask. That's always an appropriate question during a pandemic. Are you kidding me? That's perfectly acceptable. However, they might not be able to work with you on everything. Like if you're requiring a mandated vaccine, like every, all the staff there are vaccinated, they might not be able to do that. So I would say at the very least, very, very least, if you want to be COVID safe, I would ask the staff working there to wear masks when they're around just the wedding, when they're, when they're working the wedding. Um, that's like the bare minimum. <laughs> but of course, everything beyond that, like getting vaccinated or like the staff being vaccinated or getting tested before, that's going to help too. That's a good one. That's a good answer. I didn't think about that. Um, and you would hope too, like, right now that they're already doing that they're already like showing up to weddings and stuff like that mass but you'd be surprised some aren't um but i think that's a little less i guess invasive you know because people feel all sorts of ways about like asking and we're gonna get into that but um i think you know 
okay, just wear a mask. If that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> masks are probably the easiest thing to get away with. I would say yeah. vaccines are probably the hardest because that provide that is making people provide their medical kind of like medical information, but it's, it's yeah. not really considered the same as other medical information and that people share it more often, but yeah, masks would be easiest. And if you really want to be safe, you could provide them N95s and make them wear those or KN95s. Ooh, good point. Good point. Okay. That is so, a good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really good point. Should we plan for a smaller wedding or should we, you know, just invite everybody and then, you know, like maybe through that invitation process, give them the option to like, you know, do virtual or should we just like go ahead and be like, okay, Hey everyone, here's the save the date, but then actually, okay, well only 30 of you will actually get to come in person. Like how should we kind of manage the guest list? So that can be hard because I think the size of the wedding is very dependent on your culture and your family and a lot of other things. So that is something that's really important to a lot of Um, people having a wedding. If you have a larger guest list, then obviously it's more important to have more mitigation measures. So you can have a bigger wedding if, if that's what you want or if that's what is expected, but be more careful. So have it outdoors if possible, require masks, especially if it's indoors. Think about like, are people eating because if they're eating indoors, then people are going to have their masks off for like 45 minutes or more. And just all of the things that we continue to talk about. Um, and th- those are just more important with a larger guest list. And then if you have a smaller list, um, those things are still important, but they're just less dire because the risk is naturally going to be lower with less people. So whether you should start small and then expand it if possible or have a big one and cut it. I'm not sure. I don't know if there's like wedding etiquette with that. I I don't know. I mean, there probably isn't because it's COVID, right? So no one's used to doing that. But I would think just like socially, it would make more sense to have a smaller guest list and then expand it so that nobody feels offended that they got like cut, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's my thoughts. None of this is really easy. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Right. Yeah. Someone may get their feelings hurt along the way, but look. <laughs> um, That's where so- we are. <laughs> Should we create pods for high risk guests? I think with high risk guests, you should talk to them directly and brainstorm ideas of what would make them feel comfortable and what they want or need. Um, And then some high risk guests are just not going to care that much and we'll just do whatever, but you might care more than they do. And so having some kind of like pod where they're a little bit separated from the other wedding guests could make a lot of sense, but it totally depends on what's feasible and what, what they think about that. Because you also don't want them to feel excluded. Like if they're high risk and they just don't care and you're kind of pushing them to the side of the venue or something, then I don't know, maybe they could be offended, but it's all very dependent. I would just speak to them. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I would hate to have them like all the way in the corner and they're like secluded and 
I don't know. That would make me feel some type of way, but yeah. And you can just try to brainstorm ideas. Like if they're not comfortable with the whole eating thing, maybe you have masks required during the whole wedding, but then you're going to all take them off to eat. Maybe they can go somewhere else while people are eating, eat somewhere else, like you said, or eat before and then have their mask on while everybody's eating. So there's just so many little things. And hopefully the person who is high risk will help you come up with what would make them more comfortable. What is overstepping when requesting test or vaccination slash booster details? So I don't think it's overstepping. I mean, I'm an, I'm an infectious disease epidemiologist, so of course I don't. And it is a pandemic, right? Like, it's not like this is a usual thing that people do request, you know, vaccine information from wedding guests. So it is a special situation. I don't think it's overstepping. If you want to take the strictest approach, like I said, you can just straight up require vaccination, proof of vaccination, even have people send it uh, beforehand would be best. You don't want to do that the day of. That sounds really stressful for everybody involved. And then you can also with tests, you can require that you can require masks, all sorts of things. But there's always that in between that most people are going to opt for where it's more feasible, but it's still safer than doing nothing, which, which I think is really great. So you can require vaccines, but maybe you don't, you don't require people to like submit their documentation of being vaccinated. You can mostly require vaccines. Like for me, almost everybody I know and interact with is vaccinated. And I just, I trust that that's the case. So, but if you have that, like one aunt and two cousins that, you know, aren't vaccinated Maybe you just make the exception for them because they're really the only people there who are not. And you don't want to start the family drama or the whatever. So uh, that's your that's your choice. You can do kind of an in-between. It doesn't have to be like the most strict thing because no matter what, there's going to be risk. But the question is, what level of risk are you okay with for you and everybody involved? And certainly nobody wants to have a super spreader wedding event, right? Like that would be, that'd be really bad. So mm-hmm. Definitely think about what level of risk you're okay with and what are the easy things. Like like like, um, requiring the staff working there wearing a mask, that's easy, I think. I think that would be one of the easiest things you can do. And then if it's outdoors, if you want to have an outdoor wedding anyway, that's also easy because that significantly will cut down the risk of transmission happening at your wedding. And that isn't anything that the, you're not putting any expectations on the guests when you do that. It's just naturally going to be less risky without anybody having to do anything. So, so on the wedding day, <laughs> what do you do if the bride or groom tests positive? So that I would say is one of the worst case scenarios that could happen. That would really suck. And I'm sure that's happened to several people. So again, you guys be so careful that week before you just don't want that to happen to especially the people like in the wedding, but also just like close family members that would, that would really suck. So if that happens, I would say it's probably a good idea to cancel. I mean, according to literally any expert, they're going to say like, if you have COVID, you, you, you should not be around other people, period. You should go home and take care of yourself and isolate so that you don't spread sickness to other people. So as crappy as it would be 
that's that's when you need to postpone your wedding. But hopefully that doesn't happen. You can prevent that. And one way to kind of prevent, well, it doesn't really prevent it, but one way to know that you're not positive during your wedding is you can try to get a hold of tests at home, rapid tests before the wedding even happens. And maybe consistently test yourself before, test yourself and the people in your wedding party the day of. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for the at-home tests, they are now going to start being free. So your health insurance can now is going to start reimbursing people. So I think typically you're going to have to submit the like proof that you bought them, like receipts and stuff, but your health and your private health insurance will now reimburse you for at-home tests, which are typically about $10 each at a local pharmacy. So you'll get that money back. And then now also starting by the time this podcast episode comes out, the US government, if you go to, I think it's covidtest.gov, you can Mm -hmm. now get free COVID tests that they will send to your house. So if you can kind of don't hoard them per se, but if you can get your hands on tests and by the time you have a wedding and you're listening to this, it's probably after the Omicron surge of in G- the, the December, January COVID surge. So hopefully there will be plenty of tests available. Hopefully. <laughs> yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> How do you enforce testing or vaccination requirements? Yeah. So obviously just be honest and straightforward with the guests that you're, uh, that you're inviting and make sure you can answer whatever questions. And I would say be confident in your decision, whatever decisions you're making, whether that be requiring vaccines or tests or whatever, be confident and have reasons why, because you don't want that family member to, to start arguing with you about it. And then you to like change your mind based on emotions instead of based on what, what you really think is safe and what you think is right. So have reasons, be confident, communicate them, and really stick with your boundaries because this is your day. These are your decisions and what you want and what you think is safe and right. So stick with them. I agree. Yes. Stand firm in your decision. <laughs> These things are not black and white. They're not right and wrong. It's more like a scale of risk and like where on that scale are you accepting the risk for you and your guests? So there's no right or wrong. Uh, I would say the only thing that's just like wrong is to have COVID and knowingly expose people. Oh, yes. That is like for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But most people aren't going to do that. So. Well, you know, there's been people who have done so. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. right. (laughs) There's been a lot of people. Um, There was actually an article that I was reading last week, actually, where someone, it was a family member who came around their grandmother and knew that they had COVID and the grandmother actually passed away because of COVID. But like all the family members are now upset at that family member because they knew that they had COVID, but still came around the grandmother. So, I mean, it happens. It happens every day. So anyway. Yeah, you're right. People are foolish sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Is it worth streaming the wedding when you have some guests in person? I would say if, if streaming, live streaming on the internet is going to be like a hassle, like a huge headache, then no, just because it's like people have been having weddings forever and live streaming only became 
really a thing with COVID in the last two years. Mm-hmm. People, I feel like people didn't typically stream their weddings before then. They might have like recorded them, mm-hmm. but not live streamed. So if it's going to be a headache, I really, I wouldn't personally, this is very much a personal opinion on my part. I probably wouldn't, but if it's easy, then why not? So that's my take. Not, I don't have a super, I don't have a super strong opinion on that. I agree. Um, we're actually going to live stream the wedding, but only the ceremony. Cause my fiance was like, no one's going to sit through a reception. That would be weird. I know. <laughs> I feel so left out. Are you kidding me? It's like live streaming, like any other party. That's like, it's kind of weird. I know, but yeah. I, I think you have to like be intentional about it. Like if you do that, where you have like a reception or like anything outside of the ceremony you have to have something for the guests like mm-hmm. there has to be something for them to interact with in a in some sort of setting like maybe the bride and groom like goes up to the camera periodically or like you make sure guests go by or like i don't know it yeah. has to be something where it's like it's babysat because yeah nobody's gonna like just sit and watch three or four <laughs> hours or like maybe maybe you have like the toast and the dances and that stuff towards the front and maybe you can allow them to like watch that part but then there's this whole like cocktail hour thing that yeah. happens in between so then are you telling people to like log back in you know or like just stay on are you giving them like it, it's just so much it's so much I agree with Brandon like <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be just hard for people to also oh, remember yeah. like oh yeah there's a camera here or like a laptop set up I'm going to have to make sure I like walk back over to the laptop yeah, in addition no, to all the other that. guests you got to like circle around so yeah. yeah and we're not doing that part but um but for those people who do not feel comfortable attending in person then of course they'll be able to view the ceremony and that's it so but I do feel like I do want to do that much because, you know, there are some people that are close to me that literally cannot be there in person. One person I know for sure, she's probably going to be actually giving birth around that time period. So it's like she can't be present. So, you know, if she's not pushing the baby out, then she could be watching the ceremony <laughs> at least, you know, to feel like she's a part of it. Yeah. So for non-COVID reasons, too, that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. You just got to think about your guest list. Um Okay, so how do you maintain social distancing during the wedding day? I think one of the easiest ways is, and I keep saying this, having your wedding outdoors. And I know people don't like that because it's hot or it's cold or the weather or whatever. But uh, that's just easy because assuming you will have just more space outdoors rather than in a indoor venue, And then I would say what's probably the second easiest way to social distance is uh, at a lot of weddings, there's those round tables with maybe like eight-ish chairs around it. Uh, Cut that, just cut it down. Like cut it down to like four chairs per table or five and then just have more distance between them uh, so that if people are eating, there's still distance because that does help. And if there are masks required, people take them off to eat or drink. So, so yeah, I think those are the easiest ways. And just realistically, the bride and groom or whoever is getting married probably won't be great at distancing with the guests. 
I mean, they're going to be interacting with the wedding party. That's a given. And then with family, that's pretty much guaranteed. Um, so just be realistic and know that if it's your wedding, you're probably going to be exposed to a lot of people. And so again, it's your decision. Do you, do you need everybody to be vaccinated, testing negative, wearing a mask? That's up to you. Very true. Very true. How accurate are the at-home test kits? That's a really good question. So before Omicron, they were pretty accurate. Like if you follow the directions correctly and you test positive, you're essentially positive. You can really assume that you are because that, that figure is much more accurate. Now, if before Omicron, if you tested negative, you couldn't know for sure, for sure, but you were probably negative. Like they're accurate enough, but with Omicron, there's a lot we don't know and we're still trying to figure out. But what it's looking like is that these rapid at-home tests are actually less sensitive with detecting the Omicron variant. And that could be because of a variety of reasons. I won't get into all the science behind it. And, and we don't know anyway, so I can't even tell you definitively. But there's a few things to keep in mind when taking rapid tests. So one, you don't want to test yourself too early or it could result in more false negatives. So it could be less sensitive, if that makes sense. Before Omicron, we always said, wait five to seven days after your exposure. And right now that seems to be even more important. Anecdotally, so like based on my experience and kind of like hearsay, it seems like a lot of people are not testing positive with the rapid tests until they're sick for like four or five days, like four or five days after symptoms. That actually happened to my whole family and they were taking rapid. We all got COVID over Christmas. It was crazy <laughs> with probably Omicron because we're all vaccinated. And yeah, they, they were testing negative until day four or five of being sick. And so uh, another thing to keep in mind that these rapid tests, some people think that they can tell you if you're contagious or not. And that's not necessarily true. In that situation with my parents and I, we were fully contagious. I can almost guarantee that because you're most contagious a couple days before you even get symptoms like one or two. And then a couple days after you get sick, that's when majority of the contagiousness is happening. So those tests don't necessarily tell you if you're contagious. If you're positive, you're probably contagious. That's probably true. But if you're testing negative, especially if you're sick with COVID symptoms, that can't tell you, and you're testing negative, that can't tell you that you're contagious or not. Hopefully that makes sense. And then also keep in mind to read the directions carefully on those and follow them exactly. I know some people have been saying that they're testing positive when they swab their throat. I don't know if y'all have been seeing this. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really strange. So, and I think it's because with Omicron, they're thinking the, what we, the data we have now is showing that it's, it's happening more in the upper respiratory tract, which mm -hmm. is actually a good thing in terms of severity of the disease, because most of your, sorry, I'm getting sciencey. Most of your air uh, exchange happens in the lungs. So it's better if it's happening more in your upper respiratory tract. So that could be the reason behind the throat swab. I'm not sure. But regardless of what, what we've been hearing on Twitter and wherever else, the tests, the rapid at home tests are not 
made to do that. They're made for a nasal swap. So there could be so many factors going on that we don't know about with the throat swaps that could make those inaccurate. And we're just not sure. I'm suspicious that maybe throat swabs right now could be more accurate, but because the tests aren't made for that, we, we can't say like at all. Um, and I absolutely cannot in good faith recommend anyone to, to swab their throat if the test is made for a nasal swab. So don't do that. So those are the things to keep in mind. You want to test it at an appropriate time. But if you haven't been exposed and you're just testing to make sure um, that you're not possibly have COVID, like asymptomatic COVID, then obviously those things don't really apply. You can just test to see if it's going to come up with a positive. And if it's positive, then you're probably positive again. But if you're negative, you might be negative and it's, it's worth taking one if you have your hands on one, but it's not like the end all be all because they're just not as accurate as they used to in, in the time of Omicron. And if people are listening to this after Omicron and there's a new variant pie or whatever, then, then I don't know. <laughs> that depends on that time. That's true. All of this is changing so rapidly and this strain was not like the last strain. I mean, I, I read somewhere, um, I can't remember, I think like a Facebook group or maybe on Twitter where somebody was like, they had COVID around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And they're like, it was worse. Or I know, right? <laughs> and she was like, it was worse around Thanksgiving, but just kind of annoying around Christmas. And I was like, oh, okay. So assuming Delta was Thanksgiving, Omicron was Christmas because you know, we've been hearing about the milder symptoms of Omicron, but still mild is relative. Um, So again, just be cautious, everybody. I find that the people that actually have symptoms, they always test positive with a rapid test. However, if they're not having any type of symptoms at all, and if they do PCR, that will come back positive later on. So you've had multiple coworkers who, you know, of course, I feel like we're testing every single week at this point, but I've had two coworkers that I know of, they tested negative with a rapid, but PCR definitely came back positive. And so it's, it's crazy, to be honest. It's like, we don't really know. I don't know. I feel like it's up and down, up and down. So it's craziness. Um, and there's, mm-hmm. there's different things to keep in mind too. Like with PCR, I think a lot of people know this, but in case you don't, with PCR, the reason why it can it can detect things better is because it's more sensitive, which means it takes less virus, less like the amount of virus that needs to be there for it to, te- to detect it is lower. And the rapid tests, they need more virus there to be able to, t- to detect them. But the thing to keep in mind with PCR is you can test positive for anywhere from a month to three months possibly uh, you can continue to test positive after your initial infection. PCR can't, ag- again, no test can tell you if you are contagious or not. PCR, y- y- you can have a full COVID infection. Your symptoms could resolve within 10 days, and then you can test positive a month later. That doesn't mean you're contagious or that you really have COVID. It just, it's just still picking up those, those pieces, uh, those like dead pieces of virus that are still in your system. So keep that in mind. 
And whoever is giving you the test, they should be able to provide you that kind of information because it is a little confusing. So don't be afraid to call the clinic, call CVS, ask a pharmacist, ask your doctor about what the test result means. Like, does this mean I have active COVID? Does it mean I have asymptomatic COVID or was my co or is it just because I had COVID a month ago? Thank you for saying that because I was about to ask if you could break down the difference between PCR and rapid. Um, yeah. Cause I think, I mean, a lot of us, because the rapids are what you buy at Walgreens and whatnot or antigen, right. Um, those are the ones that a lot of people are just going off of. But the when you're like waiting four hours in line at one of these drive through facilities, they're giving you a PCR test or they're giving you both just so that you know. Um, FYI, listeners. Um, all right, so we're almost done. Thinking kind of post-wedding, if someone tests positive, what should happen? We had a listener tell us that someone actually tested positive after her wedding and did not tell her or the groom. They told like a family member and the family member happened to tell them. So at that point they're like, Oh, okay. But why didn't you tell like, so now they're kind of like pissed off at this guest. Cause it's like, hello, <laughs> why would you not, you know, tell us? Um, and luckily he was like the only person, but I guess we never really think about kind of the contact tracing element of these events. So like, what should we do? Or should we even ask or request like, Hey, afterwards get tested or, you know, just kind of what should we do kind of like post-wedding? Yeah. So I think it should be obvious and just a given expectation that if you attended an event and you and you got sick afterwards, that you should tell either the other guests or probably just tell the person who threw the event so they can do uh, with that information. But you know, some people are embarrassed, or you would think that people would want to tell them. But uh, so the thing is, with health departments, they usually do contact tracing. And they will call anybody who was in contact or who attended that event or whatever. But they're really behind. And some of them have just completely done away with contact tracing because it's not worth their time. Like they just don't have the resources uh, or the capacity to do that with how much COVID there is. And so you can't expect that it's going, contact tracing is going to happen for you. I would honestly assume that it's not going, you're going to have to do it yourself. And so what I would do is I would first talk to the person who told you that they were positive and ask them, like, you don't want to expose their personal, like if they don't want people to know it was them, I do think that is pretty much their right to decide that. Um, because and with contact tracing in health departments, we don't tell you who you got it from, right? Like we keep that private. And so I think it, it's best for you to keep that private too. Now, if they're okay with telling people themselves, that's fine. But I wouldn't really tell people if that's not you. So the best way to go about that is to just tell all of your guests in attendance that some, uh, somebody was likely contagious. Make sure it's within the window of being contagious too. So if you had a wedding on like the 15th and somebody doesn't get sick until the 30th, that's not in the window of being contagious. They could have been exposed after the wedding. So 
yeah, if it's, if it's kind of far out, I wouldn't worry about it, but just tell everybody that they were potentially exposed and they can do with that information as they wish, whether that get tested or whatever. And I know it can be embarrassing. I can imagine it being a little embarrassing if you threw a wedding or a party and then a bunch of people end up getting sick. But at the end of the day, we are in a pandemic and that's the risk that you took. And so take responsibility. And it's really, it's, it could be embarrassing for some people, but I don't think you should be so, so embarrassed because it's like anybody going hopefully knew the risk when they decided to come. Nobody has to come to a wedding. Like that's their decision. So uh, just let them know. Good answer. You're not trained to do like actual contact tracing (laughs) and like that kind of like case, we call it case investigation. We were like interviewing the person, like who did you talk to and what did you do? And like all these things, like you're not really equipped to do that. So I think you should just tell everybody they were potentially exposed instead of trying to do that. Like, oh, well, they were sitting by this person and this person and yeah, that's just too much. And honestly, like, do we really know every single person they could have possibly come in contact with? Like, that just seems like more of a headache for the host, you know, like the bride and groom or like the couple um, than anything else. It does seem like a headache. And again, it's like a privacy thing because you're not trained yeah. on how to do that without people being able to figure out who exposed them because if you start saying like oh the person who sat next to you they're gonna know that's like two that's like one or two people and you're gonna give away who had it and that can be kind of disrespectful if that person doesn't want to be exposed like that so especially if they like cough or they sneeze at any point and they're like oh I knew it was them So at table four, (laughs) Ashley sneezed. So she was the one who (laughs) exposed everybody. (laughs) Meanwhile, it was like the person two tables over (laughs) that you bumped into, like, or, you know, chatted it up at the bar while y'all were waiting on drinks. Like, you know, you never know. Anyways, last question. Advice to all engaged couples that are figuring out their COVID-19 protocols. I would say look through the CDC. There's many web pages about gatherings and events and things to consider. And maybe talk to anybody you know who is in healthcare, you know, works with COVID. Um, or just just I would just ask for a bunch of ideas and a lot of brainstorming because people, again, it's a scale of risk. And like, at what point are you accepting the risk? And like, what amount of risk are you willing to accept? So talking to as many people as you can and just brainstorming for a while, can you might be able to come up with these creative things that can help make it more safe without it feeling like a burden. Good good advice. Thank you. Because it's hard. I mean, Well, I'm assuming most people probably getting married in 22, they were engaged probably during the pandemic, Um, unless you're some of the 19 residuals or early 2020 residuals that are getting married now, which for y'all, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It is not what you expected, but I mean, this is just hard. And I think, you know, 
you kind of helped us kind of think through some things. And, you know, for some of it, it may have even just been like confirmation for like, oh, this is kind of what I was thinking anyway, but I just needed somebody else to say it. And somebody that actually like is in that space and actually knows like infectious diseases versus someone who just like read a bunch of articles or, you know, is on Facebook or, you know, social all day. And like, that's where they get their news from. Um, We have listeners all across the spectrum. We have some listeners that are very like pro vaccination and like very much believing in the science and like, this is what I should do. And we also have listeners that are very much against the vaccination or getting vaccinated and they don't under, I don't want to say they don't understand but they just believe that wearing a mask consistently is their best bet to not get COVID. Um, But, you know, like I said, we're in season three of this thing. There's fatigue, you know, people are tired. And I think that risk of what you were discussing, that is coming more into play now of like, okay, am I going to do this? Because, well, hell, I'm going to get it at some point anyway. You know, like that's, we, Tania and I hear that all the time. Um, And whether you, you know, if that's how you feel and that's how you move, I think just making sure that like, like you said, you stand firm in it, you're cool with this idea or the decision you make, you don't waver on it. And that is what you just do moving forward. Like, and you make, your event the best event you can have under the circumstances you're in you know yeah what makes sense for you and all of your guests like what makes sense you know yes have good reasons why you're doing what you're doing stay confident and stick with your boundaries and mm-hmm. it's okay to change it's okay to change your mind on things if you want it to be more or less safe or you want to change something but make sure you're changing it <clears throat> but make sure you're changing it for the right reasons. Don't mm-hmm. change your mind based on emotions of a family member um, who is listening to these ridiculous theories or whatever. If you're going to change your mind, do it based on like empathy and what you think is right and accurate information. For sure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Now we're going to move into the wedding. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Maddie, who would you like to shout out? I would like to shout out Powell Gardens, P-O-W-E-L-L Gardens in Kansas City. I'm from Kansas City. Hmm. I've never gone to a wedding there, but they have the most beautiful chapel I've ever seen overlooking a lake. And it's a botanical garden. So uh, I love botanical gardens. They're just full of flowers and really beautiful plants. And obviously nobody listening to this is probably from Kansas City. There's Maybe there's like 20 people. I don't know. But <laughs> just because not that many people live there. But the idea of having a wedding at a botanical gardens is like a dream of mine. And I think anybody listening to this, if you are thinking about having an outdoor wedding, I think that is such a beautiful place to have one because you know they're full of flowers and beautiful plants so I guess if you have allergies <laughs> maybe not because there's going to be a lot of <laughs> but yeah many botanical gardens in many cities do uh host weddings so check that out 
See, and if I did an outdoor wedding, then it would have to be at a place like this because the grounds are beautiful. You know, everything is, you know, manicured. And of course, there's a lot of thought that went into which flowers go here and which flowers go there. So, yes. And so I agree. This place is beautiful. It is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And if you're there, you can't visit it until after March 9th. But it's really, really pretty. I I think if you make the decision to have an outdoor wedding, you got to make sure like, the venue is just like good for the photos like that's Mm -hmm. to me so important you know like you can't just have a field you know like if it's a blank slate it's just some yard or something you gotta have like a tent or something to to decorate it yeah 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 i don't know like some of those like old like places like buy like a warehouse or something that's like now been repurposed into a wedding space. And they have like those big kind of like outdoor kind of spaces with like, I don't know, some walls or whatever, like some brick that was kind of left over or whatever, like some stone. Ah, you can do so much with that. Like that <laughs> looks so good. Um, sorry guys. All right. <laughs> You know, what um, I also think about too, I'm no wedding expert, but I also think, and I like this with kind of like apartments and decorating in general, when it comes to decorating, I love the idea that you don't need much to decorate with because that background, like the structure, yeah. the, the architecture is already so, the landscape is already so beautiful that mm. you really don't need anything, maybe a couple string lights or whatever, but also that's, that's another perk. I agree. I agree. That cuts down on your decor. I love that. Yes. Yes. And again, like, honestly, I don't understand people that like select their venue without really thinking of like the photography and videography because it's like, those are the moments you're going to have after this day is over. You need it to pop. You need the good drama or whatever, like. But then that also goes to you need to have a good photographer because you have a bomb venue and your photographer is nothing, then what was the point? And then your photos are going to be trash. Anyway. Ashley, who would you like to shout out this week? So I am super, super excited to actually shout somebody out from Columbus, Ohio. I am shouting out Lisa Nelson, who is the owner of an event design and planning company in, like I said, Columbus, Ohio, just for the occasion. So if you're looking for someone to maybe help get your florals together, get your event decor together, and you're really just, you know, you're, you're in need of that designer, or maybe you're in need of someone that has, you know, some planning experience, please look Lisa Nelson. Um, she is on Instagram at just for the occasion, but there's no T on just. So is J U S for the occasion spelled out F O R T H E O C C A S I O N. Um, and of course we will tag her on Instagram. We'll um, include it in the show notes, but we'll also have um, our vendors on find.huidu.com. So again, if you're ever looking for our wedding vendors that we ever shout out, they're there. Um, Tania, who are you shouting out this week? 
Yeah, so this week I'm shouting out a photographer. Her name is Jay Lauren. Um, you can find her on J Jay Lauren Photo on IG. And it's spelled J-L-A-U-R-Y-N Photo. She is based out of Chicago. She also does photography in Midwest New York, or she will travel. But she's so good. She's so good. I really feel like she's going to be one of those photographers that we like refer back to like, oh, you know, for example, like um, in that area, we love um, Emily. Um, I'm pretty sure you heard us talk about M.Tog M. on IG, but mm-hmm. like her photography, it's like, it's like, it's like her. It's like her. <laughs> Anyways, um, definitely look her up if you're in need of a, of a photographer. Again, J. Lauren Photography on IG. You can find her on line at weddings.jlaurenphotography.com. She also does lifestyle and branding. So if you need her for anything, reach out to her. She's good, good, y'all. Where can people find you if they want to know more, if they want to like listen to your podcast or like just just know more about your world? Yes. So I am on TikTok. I am at M-A-D-D-Y dot E-P-I-D-E-M-I-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. I know it's a long name, but it's at Maddie dot epidemiologist. You can also just Google that and the, the TikTok page should pop up. And I don't really have any other social media, but I do have a podcast that I just started a couple months ago. It's called Epicentral, and it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So listen, if you want to learn more about epidemiology, especially if you're interested in entering that field, Epicentral Podcast, amazing resource for that. And my TikTok is a lot of fun. It's lifestyle content and a lot of like science and kind of current events with COVID. So check me out. You're very entertaining, by the way. Very yes. entertaining. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I was like, oh, this is cute. Oh, I'm a follow. <laughs> oh, thank you. Again, we're super grateful to, mm-hmm. you know, for you to come on and be so accommodating, like easy to just kind of like get on and like, you know, chat with within like what a week or so time. So we're so, so thankful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, again, listeners, thank you so much for, you know, listening, supporting us. Please head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or go to Spotify, give us some stars. But Tania, where can people find us? You can find us on whoido.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, and you can find Ashley at Demi Tosh on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Bill Story on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you again. We'll be back. Number 100 is next week. <laughs>